Hello and welcome to Sermons from First Press, a weekly podcast from the First Presbyterian Church of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit that we may hear your word with joy. Amen. The Old Testament reading today comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 65, verses 17 through 25. For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I'm creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. This is the word of the Lord. Then the righteous sheep 
the mic working. They were making shit noises out of me. <laughs> can't hear? Okay, goodbye. Shall we start again? <laughs> I don't want you to miss half the sermon. <laughs> so, so these folk are, are sheep, and they're going to a very good place on the right. On the left, you can change sides if you need to. <laughs> Then he will say to those on his left hand, they're the goats, so I need goat noises, please. The goats are evidently sick today. (laughs) Then he will say to those on his left hand, you are accursed. Depart from here into eternal fire prepared by the devil and his angels, for I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not give me clothing, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And then those will answer him also, Lord, when was it that I saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? And then he will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come to church for good news. It doesn't appear to be totally good. Actually, it's a little bit jarring, unmooring. Help us hear with our ears and our hearts. Help us respond with our lives that we might be more disciple-like, more pleasing to you, more like sheep than like goats. Help us hear and be doers of the word because the world is so desperate for it and us to live out our faith. We pray all of this in the strong and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I've got to say before I begin that we really love our relationship with this church. Um, uh, Certainly I should lift up Sue Jeffers, who served on our board, and then her husband, Richard Lord, who should have served on our board, and then Paul Smith, who is currently our board chairperson, all of whom are related to this church and give leadership to our nonprofit. And then some of you, I didn't recognize you this morning because the last time you were at CAS, you were in blue jeans and sweatshirts and covered in in mud. Um, You look better on Sunday morning. (laughs) But we appreciate you 
We appreciate the financial support, too, and I'll talk a little bit more about that as I go along. But I didn't want to begin the sermon without mentioning the fact that your relationship is something sacred to us. So I don't know about you. A lot of things I talk about from the pulpit now come from the Internet. This story actually started somewhere else with a man named Gregory Brown, but I've, I've seen it several ways on the Internet, and I just love it. It involves a thief who breaks into a house in the middle of the night. Uh, I don't know if he has a ladder, but he climbs in through the window. And because it's the middle of the night and all the lights are out, it takes him a minute for his eyes to adjust to the blackness of the room he's in. He, He doesn't even know what room he's in. But slowly, as his sight returns to him, he discerns that he's standing in a dining room. And, of course, there's a table and chairs and a china cabinet, all the things you expect in a dining room. But one thing he didn't anticipate was a dog. Now, now the way Greg Boyle tells it, it's a Doberman pincher. I'm from Detroit. I know it's a pit bull. (laughs) And, And he's shaken for a minute because he wasn't expecting this dog. But the dog is standing there, statue-like, stationary, not moving, not lunging, not growling, not attacking. He's just standing there. And lo and behold, it's not just this canine, but between the shoulder blades of the dog, there's a bird. And the bird's not moving either. And so the, the, the crook gets the courage to, to walk around and, and start stealing. Again, everything that you would expect from a dining room, the, the candlesticks and, and the silverware and all the other things of value. And as he's moving around the room, there's no motion from this combo that is on the one side of the room, except the bird starts to talk to him. And the bird says, you're going to get it which the first time causes the crook pause because, again, this has never happened to him. He's been a crook a long time. I don't know if he's as old as your pastor. (laughs) But he's been a successful crook, and this is the first time he's had a dog-bird combo. And so the bird squawks it several times as he's stealing stuff. You're going to get it. You're going to get it. You're going to get it. I can say this to this group. I can't say it to young people. It's like a broken record. Yeah, I know. I'm old, too. (laughs) So finally, after he's stolen everything out of the dining room, he decides he'll go to another room. And as you might uh, expect, he he decides to go to the bedroom that often we hide valuables in our bedrooms between the mattresses or in the closets or some special hideaway place. And as he's walking down the hallway, again, it's dark, but shadow-like. This pit bull and his companion move with him. Again, there's nothing to alarm him except the fact that they're moving with him. And he gets to the bedroom and he begins to steal some more to pilfer the jewelry and the change. You know, we all have that little cup full of change. And then he's looking for the dollars and the bird over and over. You're going to get it. 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 And he's becoming frustrated by it. And so once he determines that he's stolen everything of value, the crook reaches down, grabs a shoe, wails it at the bird and yells, can't you say anything, but you're going to get it? And the bird says, 
sick him. <laughs> I knew I was in an academic environment. So, um, the reason I love that story is because I, I come from a church in Detroit where everything's been stolen. Everything. I've been there 25 years. Everything's been stolen at least twice. And things you would prepare for, like, like cash and cameras and computers that, that people just walk in and, and, and walk out. But, but there are other things that get lifted that you, you really have no way to lock down, like your gutters, your gates, the Bible off the altar, the candlesticks, the microphones. I'm used to talking without a microphone. One day somebody came in and stole the toilet out of the women's room. I ask you, you know, what is Guardian Alarm going to do to protect your toilet? <laughs> Imagine being the next one in and seeing the geyser where the stool used to be. One night somebody got a pickup truck and ran it right into the wall of our kitchen. Why? To steal all the meat that had just arrived. I need to know there's going to be a judgment day. That, that somebody who would steal the meat from homeless people is going to one day have to sit down with God and have an accounting to, to talk about why they did it and whether or not they're sorry and what kind of consequences they'll be. Because I'd like to believe that there are consequences for people who do evil things, bad things, heinous things. And, and then I read this text and I think to myself, well, I wonder today if I'm a sheep or a goat. Mercy Me has that song I can only imagine. I can only imagine when I finally see Jesus, will I stand, will I shout, will I sing hallelujah, will I bow? I will shake, because I'm here to tell you I know what I've done, I know what I haven't done, and I have sins of commission and omission, and any day I would hate to have it in the, in the newspaper. So this text is important to me. It calibrates my life. It tells me at some point I'm going to have to answer for what I did with my days and what I did with my skills and what I did with my stuff and my money and everything else. I, I love this text. There are other reasons I love this text. I love this text because everybody's surprised. The sheep are surprised and the goats are surprised. Everybody's surprised. It didn't say, oh, there are a couple people who understood what was coming. No, 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 no. Everybody was surprised. And I really think that's how life is. And, and so when the Bible does that, when it makes me think, oh, yeah, that's how life is. <laughs> I really like to latch on to it. I mean, think about it. Remember when you were in first grade, if somebody had asked you, where are you going to go to school? Who are you going to marry? What's your career going to be? How about your kids? Did they turn out the way you thought they would? Retirement the way you thought it would be? What were you thinking? <laughs> I mean, life is full of surprises, and so why should it be any different at the day of judgment? I think we're going to be shocked. I, I think we're going to need to buy a vowel. You know, it's just going to be full of surprises. 
uh, it's certainly some full of surprises as Cass. I, I told you I don't like mornings. We run this warming center for homeless women and kids. It's during the winter when it's so cold like now, and the shelters are full and there's nowhere for them to go, and the city doesn't want anyone to freeze because it would be bad PR. And so they contract with us to bring in anybody and everybody. We're supposed to have 50, but during the polar vortex, we had over 100 every night for a couple weeks. So... Several years ago, it was five in the morning, and somebody on my staff, a college student from Wayne State, by the way, called me five o'clock in the morning, and I'm thinking somebody better be dead. <laughs> but it wasn't. It was the reverse. She said, Reverend Fowler, so-and-so is going to have a baby. What do I do? <laughs> I said, catch. <laughs> And that's what she did on our gym floor. Somebody was born. I tell that story because it's so different than the way most children in our country anyway come into the world. There's usually a big shower and we have, you know, clothes and cribs and strollers and just everything. Not this child. All the dominoes were stacked against her. And the surprise for some people, I think, is you don't think about little babies, brand new newborns, little toddlers, little preschoolers, grade schoolers, junior high schoolers, high schoolers, college students. You don't think about them as being homeless, but that's the growing number of homeless people there are right now. On any given night during the winter, we have over 50 kids. It looks like Oliver at Cass. They're running everywhere. Surprise. That's how life is. I, I like this text, too, because it, it says that ordinary things are the yardstick, right? That, that you, you don't have to do extraordinary things. You just have to do ordinary things. I, I was hungry. You gave me food. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was naked. You gave me clothing. It seems pretty simple. I mean, that's all we do at CAS, really, are simple things, food, housing, health care, and jobs. That's all we do. We, uh, Paul won't let me do anything else. <laughs> but we make and serve 700,000 meals a year. We house 300 homeless men, women, and children a night. We have two free medical clinics and a day program for 130 developmentally disabled adults. And in 2007, we started a jobs program because our people couldn't get work anywhere during the recession. And today we have 85 men and women who have employment through CAS, recycling things. Your sermon couldn't have been any better for the kids. Illegally dumped tires and glass and cardboard and paper. And more recently, we're doing solar and have taken it all over the world. But it's just ordinary stuff. I don't know. I'm guessing most of you know Don Redding here, nine years. For nine years, he's been bringing down food to Cass. Left over from U of M, go blue. It was a great victory yesterday. <laughs> Through the gridlock, he goes and he secures the food and throws it in a freezer after the games, basketball, football. And then he hauls it down to Cass so that we can serve people good food. A lot of it's hot dogs, but it's a variety of food. In 2018, it was 19,000 pounds. Do you know what that would have cost us? 
75 grand. So it freed up that money for us to do other things while we were able to say when you were hungry, we gave you something to eat. If you have an extra hour or two, he could use some help. But it's that ordinary stuff. That's why I like this text. It also appeals to me because it says you don't have to do everything. As a woman, as a pastor, as a perfectionist, I need that sort of permission, you know. I need to know I don't have to do everything. Because elsewhere in Scripture, when you read what the litmus test is, you know, the widow puts in everything. Well, if you put in everything this morning, move to the sheep side. But I mean everything. I mean your paycheck, your car keys, your house keys your pension plan, your instruments. God, I love this orchestra. I don't ever put in everything. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, it's easy, just give away everything. This text doesn't say that. This text says you have to do something. You have to give me something to eat, something to drink, something to wear, some of your time. I can do that. That makes me feel better. That's really good news. I was at Birmingham first, a suburb of Detroit, some years ago, and I was giving the little 101 cast lecture, and at the end of the lecture, a woman raised her hand. She had a question. She said, Reverend Fowler, I was down to hear an orchestra the other night, and when I came out of orchestra hall, I saw there were some hookers working on the corner by your church. She said, what have you done about the prostitutes? Well, because I went to the seminary of sarcasm, I said, um, <laughs> well, ma'am, I taught them to tithe. to say was, you know, after I brought about you know, the end of global warming and, and dealt with pancreatic cancer and brought peace to the Middle East and, you know, dealt with all the economic disparities so that there was no hunger and no more poverty and, and no more class distinctions the way we know it. After I dealt with all that stuff, I did away with the oldest profession on the face of the earth. What do you mean? What have I done about prostitution? I can't do everything and neither can you you shouldn't even try because you're going to fail what you can't do is nothing you have to do something especially for people who are in need the least the last the lost the left behind the desperate, you have to do something. So there's a couple more things I like about this text. One thing is it says it's what we do together, right? If you read it carefully tonight before you go to bed, you'll see that people are gathered as nations, not in sides of the sanctuary. They're gathered as nations, and as nations they're judged, which is a whole mind-blowing you know, proposition, that it's not just me personally getting into heaven, 
by the way, you don't do good things to get into heaven. You get into heaven by God's grace. You do good things because you've experienced God's grace. And what it says here is you, you do them together. So if we were judged by denominations or regions or the women's group or the men's group or the young group or the really old people with, you know, then, then it holds a whole new standard out before you. And it's amazing what we can do together, how we can attack systemic problems together, not just mittens and, and cocoa, although that's important if you're cold, but the bigger issues that keep people poor and keep people homeless. That's the tiny home program at CAS. The notion was we were, we're interested still in giving people a roof, residential stability. But we wanted to help people, poor people, have economic mobility. And so we started building these homes. And your church, by the way, was one of our partners in doing that. Sent a rather large gift to help us do that. We now have 20 houses up. And the people who live in the houses make between $7,000 and $15,000 a year. They would never qualify for any mortgage. They're homeless, formerly homeless, formerly incarcerated, senior citizens, young adults who have aged out of foster care. So they move in with everything they own in a garbage bag. And in seven years, seven's a good biblical number. <laughs> They'll own a house worth $50,000. And it will change their life and the life of their family forever. It's what we do together. Here's the last thing. Here's the thing I really love about this text is is that Jesus is incognito. That huh? if you're wondering how you get close to God, it's in that exchange. It's not that we go to serve because we're better or holier. We go to serve because people need, but also because in that exchange we see Christ. We experience something sacred, that that's where Jesus is with the least and the lost and the last. At the manger, on the cross, in our cities, in our world. I know, some days we're sheep, and some days we're goats, and some days we're both. But if you're looking to grow in your faith, in your community, in your responsiveness to God, do something. Amen. God, revealed to us in Jesus of Nazareth, present to us now through your spirit. We hear your call to care for the lost, the last, the little and the least, that even through us your grace may touch their lives. Loving God, friend of outcast and stranger, prejudiced in favor of those whom others reject, we hear your call to care for those on the margins of our world 
Aboriginal sisters and brothers lost in their own land, refugees seeking asylum and new hope, those excluded from our communities. May our ministry offer dignity and respect to each and every person and offer a place at the table for the stranger and the outcast. Healing God, bearer of wounds too deep for words, wounds of illness and injury, were wounds of violence. We come yet again with heavy hearts and questions, questions of why our children continue to be victims of gun violence, questions of what it will take for us as a people and a nation to change. We pray for all who are impacted by the shootings in California and New Jersey this week. Bring healing to all who have been injured, comfort all who mourn. We pray that we would not become numb to these events, but that you would place before us a path toward healing the wounds of our nation, that we might never again have to worry about violent attack when we go to school, to sporting events, to stores and malls and movie theaters, to our houses of worship. Bring your healing, O God. God beyond all names, whose presence lives in those you call by name, whose presence goes before us into the lives of those to whom we minister. We hear your call to serve in a variety of places. We pray that each one of us, as we serve you in our particular ministry, may find renewed depth in our relationship with you, may be confirmed in our call to this ministry, may find our gifts and call affirmed as we offer them in service, may become part of a healthy and life-giving community of faith. our prayers as we offer them to you in Jesus' name, in the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information, visit us on the web at www.firstpresbyterian.org or send an email to info at firstpresbyterian.org. See you next week for another sermon from First Press.